everybody, I'm Roxanne. I'm Mila. And I'm Nikki. And today we will be covering the Rwandan genocide. So how successful was the genocide recovery? Let's find out. So, what really was the Rwandan genocide? The Rwandan genocide consisted of the mass slaughter of about 800,000 people over the course of 100 days. It started on April 6, 1994, when the Rwandan president's plane was shot down. Oh, I remember now. The genocide where the Hutus took over the Tutsis? Yeah, the Hutus were the ethnic majority of Rwanda, and only about 15% were Tutsis, making it very easy for the Hutus to take over. It was devastating. In just the first day, the Hutus had successfully eliminated all of Rwanda's important leaders and were already planning detailed lists of their next targets, which were announced on radios with each target's location. Neighbors killed neighbors, husbands killed wives, friends killed friends. It did not matter for the Hutus. In their minds, no Tutsis deserve to live. The UN, also known as the United Nations, was sent to Rwanda in an attempt to help, yet were not giving a mandate to stop the killings. The Rwandan genocide ultimately ended in July of 1994 when the Tutsis defeated the government forces. So how successful has Rwanda really been in their road of recovery in the past 25 years? Well, under the leadership of President Paul Kagame, Rwanda decided to start afresh. Over the last decade, the economic growth has risen 8% per annum and many investment plans are flowing in, nearly tripling since the 2005 gachikas, which were national courts used to speed up the prosecution of hundreds of thousands of genocide suspects in trial. Gachikas provided an opportunity for the healing as they allowed victims to learn about the truth what happened to their loved ones. Actually, the Gachaka did not bring much justice to victims. As for the Hutus, put up on trial, got let out after telling judges their reasonings. Many Tutsi victims felt as if the Hutus should have received a further punishment and not let out so easily. Oh, I guess I see your point. Victims of the Rwandan genocide continue to suffer from post-traumatic stress symptoms, including high levels of depression, anxiety, and failing physical health. Women and children continue to live in constant fear of experiencing several forms of violence, as for many others still live in intense poverty and excluded from the many forms of economic participation. Killers began living next to survivors. Nobody felt safe. Nobody could trust anybody. It sounds like the end of the small African country, but within the next 15 years, Rwanda has come a long way. Yes, most of the Rwandan population is covered by health insurance, leading to an 85% drop of malaria deaths since 2005, and almost all crime rates have dropped. Their greatest concern was to make sure that ethnic division would not go as extreme as before, to avoid resurfacing of the prior genocide. Security and stability came first, then slowly great improvements in health, physically, mentally, and even education and incomes. This led to, in a little over five years, Rwandans lifting themselves out of poverty. The chance of children dying before their fifth birthday has almost more than halved, and they can almost all go to school by the age of seven. The ultimate goal is to build trust and safeness once again, to be Rwandan rather than Hutu or Tutsi but there is still a lot of work the country needs to do to reach this. 
Communities continue to attempt to build a decent place to live, still dealing with unimaginable circumstances, with the murderers and their victims' families living side by side. No wonder trust is so difficult to build. Nobody can predict if another breakout between the Hutus and Tutsis will occur, and many of those who committed towards the previous genocide are still at large. Paul Kagame, current president of Rwanda and former military leader, is here to speak with us today on his amazing help during the Rwandan genocide. Let's see what he has to say. Mr. Kagame, thank you for being with us. Mr. President, how would you characterize the democracy in Rwanda today? Democracy, like many other things in Rwanda, has seen very vast strides taken, just like economic transformation. And I have this argument that, in fact, it is not easy to have social and economic transformation without corresponding progress in governance, in democracy, and rights of people. Because at the same time, it is the same people that are part of this process that transforms their lives. So I, I don't like the whole idea, first of all, of these critics who really don't take time to study situations and understand the context and even understand the processes that they are talking about. Are we any further to having harmony in Rwanda between the violence of the two ethnic groups? Absolutely. I think it is even a wrong characterization, first of all, to keep referring to Rwanda as a nation just along the division of ethnic or tribal lines. It doesn't make sense. We are Rwandans, and that is what we were before colonization right. and that saw divisions, and now that's where we are getting to again. So there is a rebirth of our country where Rwandans see themselves as Rwandans, and we've made tremendous progress in the last 16 years where Rwandans are taking on their responsibilities and building their future the future they deserve to have. So Finally, Mr. Kagame, I see that Rwanda's economic growth has grown substantially. So we've seen average growth, or GDP growth, uh, at 8% in yeah. the last 10 years. And this year we're going to register 10%. All right. Uh Mr. Kagame, thank you again for stopping by with us and explaining your perspective. So, in the past 25 years, what can we really say about Rwanda's recovery? Well, there is still a lot of traumatic issues to be solved. But ultimately, Rwanda has come incredibly far in the past 25 years. Thank you for joining in with us today. I'm Roxanne. I'm Mila. And I'm Nikki. And, and this, this was, was the Rwandan, Rwandan Genocide. Genocide.